those things, but you have seen the light of Christ and you've trusted in his light. And not only that, like it doesn't only end there. You haven't just seen the light of Christ, but through Jesus in the Lord, you've actually become light yourself. And in the same way that light is contrary to darkness, you are called out of darkness. So don't partner with those things anymore. They're not of your nature. This is Paul's argument to us. And he makes the same argument in 2 Corinthians 6 when Paul's speaking about someone of the kingdom of God yoking themselves to someone of the kingdom of the world. Yoking is a term we don't use very often. Maybe you think of eggs. But we have, we have, that's what I would have thought of. I'm not a farmer, right? But the farmers in the room will understand yoking, right? Yoking, have, it's, a, it's kind of a double U-shaped thing that you put over the, the neck of an animal. That may even be wrong. I'm not sure. I think that's what it is. But you put over two animals and they're yoked together. Right? are supposed to be walking in the same direction as they're tilling the land behind them. And Paul's saying, listen, you, you can't yoke, a light can't yoke to darkness because they're going opposite directions. You're not walking the same way. That's going to make it so much more difficult for you. So Paul asks this rhetorical question on this theme of light and darkness. He says, what fellowship, what partnership, what, what alliance, what communion does light have with darkness? And of course, the answer is none whatsoever. Light has no communion with darkness. So he's saying to partake of these things of darkness is to be in rebellion. Not just against God, but it's to be in rebellion against your very nature. You're at odds with yourself. You're a man or a woman divided when you give into such things. So he's saying have no part. Have no part of them in your life. And some of you here this morning, you've not broken free of sin because you've accepted the lie that it's who you are. Like you've accepted this, this lie that, well, this sin is never going to be removed from my life. And I, I just pray this morning that that lie in the name of Jesus will be broken off of you. Like we are more than conquerors in Christ. Like, like some sins cling more closely than others, but we can defeat them in Jesus. And I'm not saying that we're going to walk this life sin-free. That's not what I'm saying. But if you're here and you're believing the lie that you're just stuck in this cyclical sin and you're never going to get out of it, Jesus is more powerful than that. Jesus is able to do that. You are light in the Lord. And the beautiful thing about that truth is that our light comes from Christ. It's not, it's not me. It's not like I'm shining brightly in myself. No, I, I'm darkness in myself. But because Jesus is in me, I'm light in the Lord. He's the source. It's not us. How fantastic is that? Like, I've got the source of God. I've got the Holy Spirit in me. I don't have to rely on my own light because I've got the light of Jesus dwelling within me. Right? That's why as followers of Jesus, we're called to remain. We're called to abide. We're called to remain close to Jesus. He's the vine. We're the branches. We can't make ourselves healthy. The vine needs to make the branches healthy and the branches grow. 
right? It's exactly the same as, you know, think about a lamp plugged in beside your bed. You pull that lamp too far away from the socket, it's getting pulled out. There's no more light with that lamp. It's the same thing with our relationship with Jesus. You remove yourself too far from Jesus, your light dims. We got to remain close to Jesus. We get unplugged from him, there's no light. So Paul says, have no part in these things of darkness. But he doesn't leave it there. Paul, Paul never just kind of argues from the negative side. He says, don't do this, but, but rather do this. What should we do? Well, as those who've been called out of darkness into light, Paul gives us direction. He ends verse 8 by saying, walk as children of light. Don't partake of these things but walk as children of light. You know, I love what Paul's saying here, and this is kind of the heart of this entire series that I've been talking about periodically, is that what Paul's saying here is, this is a call to be who we are. Right? And that's what this whole series has been about. And I've talked about this over and over. There's objective realities to your position in Jesus Christ, and then there's those things that you have to experientially walk out. Right, like we have objectively the Holy Spirit within us, but then we have to experientially walk out what it means to live by the Spirit. Right? Jesus is objectively Lord of our life when we come to faith, but then throughout our walk with Christ, we're experientially learning what does it mean for Jesus to be Lord in this area of my life? What does it mean for him to be Lord over my finances, over my work, over my family, over all the different aspects of life? We learn it as we walk it out. And this is no different. Paul's saying, listen, you are positionally, you are light in Jesus Christ. That is who you are. But then, follower of Jesus, you have to walk it out. You have to experience it. And it includes how we think. This includes how we act. This includes the use of our time that Paul's going to talk about later. Even Jesus, when he talks about us as being light, this is the way that he positions it as well. In Matthew 5, 14 to 16. Jesus says to his followers, he says, you are, you are, not you could be, you are the light of the world. That's who you are positionally. You are a city set on a hill, and it cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus is talking about walking as children of light here. He's saying, listen, you are light, but there are things that you can do, things that you can think, ways that you spend your time, that you take a basket and you cover your light. No, you need to walk this out experientially. You need to, in the same way, let your light shine before others. There are ways you can live as followers of Christ that dim your light. And there are ways you can live that causes it to shine in the way that it should. As I was preparing this week, I had that, that little song come to mind. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. It's cute, and it's extremely theologically accurate. That's what we're called to. This little light, I'm going to let it shine. That's what we're supposed to do. Good theology. Our light should hopefully be getting brighter as we follow Jesus. It's a process, but it should hopefully be getting brighter. 
Paul refers to the fact that this is a process. He says in Ephesians 5 verse 10, he says, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So Paul's not sitting there going, you're always going to know what to do in every situation. No, he's saying, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And the reason why Paul says this is he knows that our faith is a walk. Right? We have to walk it step by step. Right? Paul, in other places, he calls it a race. Like, I've finished the race. Right? I've reached the end. I've run that race well. And so Paul understands that the walk of faith is just a step-by-step walk of trying to stay in tune with what the Lord is calling us to, trying to stay faithful and follow Jesus in whatever He is calling us to follow Him. And as we walk, we are hopefully growing in the understanding of the Lord, growing in our sanctification, becoming more like Christ. And we're going to stumble along the way. We're not going to do this perfectly, but we are being renewed day by day. He who began a good work will bring it to completion. So long as we remain following Him, remain abiding in Him, remain that light connected to the socket, we will learn what it means to be pleasing to the Lord. And as we follow Him, we will walk more and more and more in it. And as we walk, learning more and more what it is to please the Lord, Paul also calls us to do something else. In verse 11, he says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Take no part in them. Instead, expose them. To what, Paul? To the light. Get them into light. I love that Paul says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness because the call of a follower of Jesus is to bear fruit. (laughs) He's like, listen, there are things you can partake of and that's going to be unfruitful for you as a follower of Jesus and you are called to bear good fruit. So here's the thing with this. It's a lot easier and it's a lot more comfortable for us if, if we approach this from the perspective of the world versus the church. Well, there is so much darkness in the world. Look at what everyone's doing. How wicked and evil are they? Let's expose it. You know what that's really close to? A pharisaical heart. See, we are not to partner with the things of the world, and we are to call out things that are evil. But exposing darkness has to begin in the church. It has to begin here, in this room. Because we're the ones who are called to be children of light. Not the people of the world. They don't know Christ. They don't know the light of Christ. Why are we judging them? Paul even talks about that, I think. Like, we're to have judgment. Like, the world... We misunderstand judgment, right? Like, there's a reality that as followers of Jesus, you have to use your judgment when it comes to things in the world. What is good? What is not? What do I partake of? What don't I? But if someone doesn't know Christ, it's not our place to condemn them. They're not called to live as you and I are called to live. 
And so we, we stand against the things that are wrong and evil in the world without condemning people. Now, you bring it into the church, absolutely, we are called to judge one another, to call things out in one another in a redemptive way. Not in a way that hammers each other down. I see your sin. Ha <laughs> ha! Not like that. Brother, sister, I love you, and I see this in your life, and it's going to wreck you. And I'm going to call you out of that. So exposing darkness has to begin in the church. Because it's so much easier for us to focus on darkness out there and allow darkness to remain in here. It's easier to cast judgment on the world and be pharisaical and throw stones. But it's the darkness in here that's going to destroy us. It's not the darkness out there. It's going to irritate us, but it will not destroy us. See, the willingness to abide with darkness in the church has always been a problem. As early as the earliest churches, Paul alludes to this. Actually, doesn't even allude to it. He hits it directly on in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 1 to 7. He says, it's actually reported that there's sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit and as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Paul's addressing the church in Corinth and he's saying, how dare you celebrate? Like, how dare you just rejoice and go on as though there's nothing wicked happening in your midst? Meanwhile, you know of this man in your church that has his father's wife and you're just ignoring it? You're not doing anything about it? I've already pronounced judgment on you. That's a sobering warning from Paul about the holiness that we are called to in his church. Paul uses the leaven metaphor in a couple other times in his writings, and he uses it here. And here, leaven represents sin. And the lump that he talks about represents the church as a whole. And he says, just as one little bit of leaven makes the whole lump of dough rise and the whole lump of dough ferment, a little sin in the church can bring corruption to the whole body. A single member's sin affects the body because we are all one body. If we could understand this in such an autonomous culture, I think we would live so much better together. Like if we could fully grasp in our hearts that like, I am a part of each one of you, like we are all one body together under Christ with our head, like what you do affects me, what I do affects you. 
we could really grasp that. I think it would change a lot of things in the church if we could get away from this kind of individualistic, well, my walk is my walk. No, it's not. Your walk is affected by everybody's walk around you. We're here to build one another up. We're here to exhort one another. We're here to encourage one another. Paul says, in the same way that we were darkness and now we're light, we were leavened, but now we're unleavened. And so make sure that there's no leaven among you because it'll spoil the body. Here's the thing, church. The sins of the world are in the church. Hopefully they're not in the church to the extent that they are in the world, but they're here. And they shouldn't be. And the problem with today's church is that they're allowed to grow. They're allowed to fester in the church. And there's a few reasons why they're allowed to grow. One is the constant demand that has come into the church from the world of our own self-interest and our own autonomy. Followers of Jesus Christ are becoming more and more like the world in this way, where we think, my walk is my walk. I'm an individual. You do your own thing. I'll do my thing. Don't you dare worry about me. It's wicked. It's evil. It's of the world. That is not the life we're called to as followers of Jesus. When you come to faith in Christ, you come to the reality that I'm now a part of a body accountable to one another. We don't get to say, huh, no, 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 thank you. I don't want to hear from you. No, when you follow Jesus, when you become a part of a body, like you're actually inviting that in. That's your life now. So then how dare we, when someone comes to us, respond the way we sometimes respond? And so autonomy and this drive for personal autonomy and self-interest is just allowing the sins of the world to come into the church. Another thing that's allowing the sins of the world to come into the church is an absolute distrust of authority. There's just an absolute distrust of authority in our world and it's coming into the church. And church, I stand up here as a church leader and I say to you, I understand that some of that is warranted. Like I see the men in I see the men in pastoral positions that fall and just destroy Jesus' church and it kills me. But Jesus has given leadership to his church. It's a good thing. It's a God thing. And we need to trust it. There's a reality in the church that I find sometimes there's just this space of well, that's your opinion, this is mine. No, you know what? That's not always the case. Sometimes there is just a godly, spirit-led piece of advice or thing that someone, not just me, anybody, wants to give you. And no, it's not opinion. It's that that person loves you. And they want to encourage you. And for us to just say, well, that's your opinion, not mine. It's just worldly, church. It's not what we're called to. And then last, third reason I see is weak leadership. It's weak leadership. 
It's men in the church who are not willing to stand against worldly thinking. It's men in the church who are called to positions like mine who are not willing to take the risk of going to a brother and sister in Christ and going, listen, you need to shape up. I see this in your life. You need to figure it out. And like, I'm guilty of that myself. I need to be better at that. I need to break off some of the fear that I have in a leadership position and be willing to go to some of you and say, listen, I see this. This is what we're called to. You see, we, we often have more anger towards the world's sin. Man, that's dangerous. If you find yourself having more anger towards the world's sin than your own sin, be careful. Be really, really careful, because that should not be. You should not look at the sins of the world, the sins of other people, and it make you more angry than what's happening in your own heart. You've got that soul backwards. That is a pharisaical heart. We are a called out people. We are a chosen race. We are a royal priesthood. Our sins should grieve us far beyond that of the world of men and women who are in darkness. They don't know better. They don't know better. They don't know the light of Jesus. How dare we get so angry when we know the light of Jesus and we're willing walking in our own sin and it doesn't grieve us, yet I'm going to blast this person who doesn't know Jesus? How dare we? Until the sin in our own hearts, okay, church, like until the sin that remains in our own hearts, until the sin that remains in this church grieves us more than the sins of the world, we will not see renewal in our church. We won't see it. We will not see revival in our community. So what does it look like? What does it look like to expose sins of darkness? It means that you and I are willing to expose our own hearts to Jesus Christ. It means that you and I are willing to allow the darkness that remains in our heart to be brought into the light. And what this has to do with is understanding who we are positionally and what God says about us. Because too often we are more willing to hide in the darkness for the sake of what that person or that person or that person might think about me and not what God actually says about me. And so we have to get to this place where we treasure godliness and our standing before Him over our standing before one another. We remain in darkness because of our position amongst people. I want to look good in front of that person. I don't want to look worse off than that person. And so we're happy to remain in darkness, grieving the Holy Spirit of God. We must treasure godliness before the opinion of other people. We must be willing to have uncomfortable conversations that will make some want to leave. Because they will not want to stay and be uncomfortable in their sin. Like, I would love for our church to be like that. I don't want anyone to leave. Don't mishear that. But I want us to be the kind of community where you can't possibly come in here and remain in your sin and be comfortable. 
Like, if you're in here and you're just remaining into, like, oh my goodness, I would love for the Holy Spirit of God to just be convicting you. Like, that just be the kind of space where, like, I can't stay the way that I am. It's impossible. And some people will leave because they will not want to change. They won't want themselves exposed. And that's okay. Just kind of like what Paul says, give him over in the flesh so that his spirit may be saved. Verse 12, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. Church, the, the, the basic question that this comes down to is, do we want to be more like Christ or do we want to remain comfortable in our sin? It sounds icky when I put it that way, but that's the choice that's before us. Do I want to be more like Christ? Or do I want to remain comfortable just kind of allowing my sin to have its way in my life? You know what will happen is if we are a church where we are allowing our light to shine on another person's darkness, they're not going to like it at first. Think about when you're in a dark room. Right? You wake up in the morning. Your kids run in. First thing they do, turn on the light. Oh! Right? That's what happens. It's the same thing. And when you're walking in darkness and someone comes and exposes that light, it exposes your darkness to light, the first thing you're like, ah! I don't want that. And hopefully our, our hearts are soft enough in the Lord that we can recognize it's for our own good. See, the, the challenge for us coming out of darkness the challenge for the world coming out of darkness is that Scripture says the human condition is, before you know Christ, you like darkness. That's the problem. That's how it describes the world. It says that in Ephesians 4.18, Paul says they're darkened in their understanding, they're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to their hardness of heart. That's all of us, apart from Jesus Christ. The problem is God is light, Right? 1 John 1, 5, this is the message that we've heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The problem, John 3, 19 to 21. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. That's the problem. The light's here. People love darkness because of our fallen nature. When it comes to the world, that reality should give us compassion. That reality should give us an understanding of the human nature and a redemptive approach. When it comes to the church, we still have a redemptive approach, but we should know better. finish up, how do, we, how do we walk in light? Paul says, verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. You must walk carefully in wisdom. James says, if you lack wisdom, let, your, let him ask God. He will give generously without reproach and it will be given to him. Like part of walking in light just means that we need to slow down 
and ask the Lord to give us wisdom, to ask the Lord what is pleasing to us. To walk in wisdom means that we are going to fear the Lord. The scripture says in Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. When we fear the Lord first, then we will walk in His wisdom. You know, the Lord was speaking to me this week just about like some things that He's working out in my life, some challenges that I'm facing just with leadership and things like that. And, and He said, seek first the kingdom of God. And that's a call to all of us, to seek first the kingdom of God of God. And everything else will be added to you. Like that's what we have to do. And we can ask in every situation, God, what does it mean to seek first your kingdom? At the beginning of every day, God, what does it mean to seek first your kingdom? Give me your wisdom, God, of how I'm supposed to walk today. And make good use of the time. I love how Paul ends here. He says, recognize that the days are evil. One of my, my, my old pastor, I was staying at Kate yesterday, he, he uses this, uh, this saying that I love. He says, he says, we live in contested space. I love that. To describe the reality of what we live in. Like we, we don't live in a world that's been fully conquered by Jesus and we can just sit back on our laurels until the day of heaven when he comes to get us. We live in contested space. There's an enemy that hates you. There's demonic influences that want to destroy you. The day is evil. We have to walk wisely. We have to make good use of our time. Because one of the realities I know, especially for men, a bored man is a dangerous man. When we're bored, we fall into sinful things. So how do we walk as children of light in a way that we're not filling our day with busyness? I'm so busy! That's everybody. How we don't walk in busyness, but we walk in the way that Jesus did, where he was busy, but it wasn't like this thing that consumed him. And he still had space. He still made space for his father for times and men. How do we 